Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Hey, it's Ryan. Welcome to The Prolific Creator, where we talk about life and art and see what sticks. Well, hello, my friends. So good to be with you again. It is a new year. I hope you are doing well. I hope you had a fantastic Christmas. I hope you had a fantastic New Year's. Hope you're doing okay. And it's a new year. And I love New Year's because I feel like it's this built-in reset in our culture. It's a built-in reset in our lives. And this doesn't mean you have to be all about New Year's resolutions or setting goals or dreams. And those are good things. But I think there's something in the water. I think there's something about a new year. It causes us to reflect. causes us to think back. causes us to see the places we've done well and then see the places we've fallen on our faces. And I really appreciate this gift of a new year. So if you're listening to this, uh, this is early January 2023. And uh, actually, I had been gone for a few weeks, uh, had an episode to load and didn't get to it over the holidays and uh, had some great times with family and friends. And uh, But also, there, there's something behind that. I have been doing my own reflecting um, over the year, looking back, thinking about where I am, looking at my life, looking at my rhythms, my pace, uh, looking at the things I've created, the things I haven't created. And there's going to be some changes coming uh, soon. And so part of my delay in launching this particular episode, uh, we uh, talked with Steve Kidd, who's a entrepreneur, he's a business coach, and he helps authors get their work out into the world. We'll, we'll get to Steve Kidd in just a moment here. Uh, but there's going to be some changes on the podcast. And there's been uh, some changes uh, in my world uh, as well. And I wanted to share a couple of those things, and I'll, I'll do another episode that will get more into the, the details. But uh, but I'm going to be kind of re-engineering, uh, re- call it rebranding. I think that's what the cool kids call it. Uh, this podcast, and uh, and and it's not going to totally be different. Uh, it'll be somewhat different, but it will be different enough that we're calling going to be calling it something else. 
And uh, what I have realized over the last uh, few months and what I've realized the last year is, let's back up just a little bit, is that I started this podcast years ago in 2017, The Prolific Writer, and did that for, I don't know, 130 episodes or so, and uh, was really a fantastic uh time of just interviewing some of the most prolific writers on the planet and really sharing my own journey of writing and publishing and what I was learning along the way and served a purpose for a time. And then I I took a break and uh, just felt like there were other projects and things I needed to give attention to and took a long break, actually. Uh, I think it was over a year, maybe a year and a half, and relaunched the podcast as The Prolific Creator. And kind of wanted to broaden my scope on the show, the guests, the things I was talking about. And so it's not just writers and publishers, but just creative people, entrepreneurs, people doing interesting work in the world. And I want to keep that flow going as well. Uh, and, and we'll continue to interview folks like that. So create creative people, writers, publishers, entrepreneurs, but also people that just have something to say, people that are doing uh, important work uh, in the world. And so I, I relaunched that, did about 30 episodes and uh, have, have come to this point where um, – Reflecting back, just really realizing my own creativity and really realizing my own production and realizing my own art had been suffering the last few years. And uh, and I talk about that in my my post uh, that I'll share uh, about just the, the pandemic really did something to me more than I realized. Uh, I really had my head down trying to help navigate uh, all the things that you were navigating. Uh, I was trying to lead my family through it, uh, trying to lead a faith community through it. Uh, trying to lead myself through it and uh, really realized it was it was a, a heavier weight than I than I anticipated. And it was a lot more painful than I anticipated. And I think I was carrying around a lot of pain, a lot of struggle um, and just really wasn't writing, really wasn't creating, really didn't care, wasn't reading, wasn't doing much. Uh, and re- really came to this realization that what I want to say, uh, is something else. And, and what I want to do is something else. Uh, and what I feel like I need, want to say and speak into the world is, is a little different. And so, uh, what I'm doing is I'm kind of rebranding this, uh, this podcast and we're going to be calling it the art of paying attention, the art of paying attention, because I realized a lot of my work over the years is really just helping people pay attention, pay attention to their lives, pay attention to their souls, <laughs> pay attention to their creativity, to their work, to the writing, to the publishing, uh, looking around in our culture, looking around all the the many gifts, uh, things that bring life, bring, things that bring hope, and often they they come in very surprising places. And so I'm starting a new uh, Substack, uh, Substack.com. If you ever gone to the Substack, and it's really just a blogging platform slash newsletter platform digital platform, uh, really trying to form a community around this idea of the art of paying attention. Uh, and what that will entail is moving the podcast over there. So it'll be hosted at uh, ryanjpelton.substack.com, and that's the, the name for now. And you can find it there. But, I, but I, I really was trying to bring my whole world into one place. I realized I was scattered. I realized I was trying to do too much. And I really wanted to focus my writing and focus – my podcasting. And also I've been synthesizing and simplifying my life and a lot of other areas that I won't get into today. Um, I shut down social media. Uh, there's my account still exists, but I, I don't spend any time on them uh, at this point. 
uh, and only enough time to you know respond to somebody if they have a have a question. But most of my life's not going to be on social media. I don't even have the apps on the phone anymore. Um, I've unsubscribed from so many newsletters and emails and things just to to kind of make my life simpler. Um, I'm reading more and uh, consuming less uh, digital media and just trying to be intentional about that. Um, and that's not again, this isn't a self-righteous thing. This isn't a, you know, I'm better than you or anything like that. It's just more my own realization that I needed to do some of these things. I needed to cut some things out of my life and focus my attention on other things. Uh, and so hopefully this new podcast, this new adventure, this news, new newsletter will serve you well. And some of you may say, Hey, that's not for me or that's not what I want to do. Um, and, and that's fine. And maybe you need to give it some time and see, see where it goes on. And it's not going to be a huge leap or a huge change. Um, but I think there's gonna be some good things in it. And I also want to say from a pragmatic standpoint is also the reason I'm making the change is because I, I really wasn't comfortable with all the ads on the show. And, uh, and, you know, part of my income is writing and creating and podcasting and all that. Um, but I felt like there was a better way to do that rather than just have ads all over the, the show and, and those kinds of things. And, and they weren't always aligning with what I wanted to align with. So um, part of me switching platforms and starting a new podcast also is like finding other ways to support the work. Um, and so Substack is a really great way to do that for creators and podcasters and writers and things um, where we don't have to run all these ads and things. And if you want to support my work, you want to, you know, throw a few bucks into the, the pot, there'll be opportunities to do that down the road. Uh, but everything right now is free. So don't worry about that. Um, but I'll be talking about that a little bit more. Um, and, and really it's just a way to support the work. It's a way to support, uh, the hosting. It's a way to support the time. It's a way to support just art and getting your voice out in the world. And so, um, so hopefully, uh, that will, uh, be coming down the pipe, uh, but don't worry about that right now. Uh, so there's just a lot of things. There's a lot of soul things going on in me. There's a lot of pragmatic things. There's a lot of uh, stuff I'm revisiting, things I need to address, things that uh, where I want to find more life. But I'm really excited about this new adventure. I'm excited about the new direction, and uh, hopefully you will be too. And uh, and so it's enough of me talking. Uh, I know this isn't a typical introduction, but I wanted to give you a little context because you will see this podcast. The, the feed uh, – will change, but I don't think it'll affect you. Um, you might have to go find it. Um, but I think it'll all stay on the same. All the episodes will still be up, be up and all, but you might see different, uh, branding and graphic and things. Uh, but it'll still be me. So the art of paying attention, you'll see that soon. But uh, this is our last episode as the prolific creator with Steve kid. And it's a great episode. Uh, Steve is helping people get their art get their books, get their voice out into the world. I think you'll really enjoy uh, this episode. So without further ado, here's my chat with Steve Kidd. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Creator, and I'm so thankful today to have Steve Kidd on the show. Steve, why don't you say hello? And I was curious if you could summarize what is it exactly that you do for work. 
Well, Would hello, you say my in your own Steve. words. <laughs> sure. Hi, my name's Steve Kidd. Um, I am a third generation minister and international best-selling author. I have 20 books of my own. Um, and what I do for work is I have the privilege of working with authors, helping them write publish, market their books to bestseller and beyond. I've worked with literally thousands upon thousands of authors. Um, and more importantly than that is I've helped them be able to reach the several million people now that they have reached with their books, their message, their world, um, and the things that they do to change this word. Well, great. Well, yeah, I love, uh, I love, uh, talking to people like yourself that are kind of multi hyphened people, if you will, um, done a lot of things, you know, nonprofit ministry books, writing, obviously you've written your own, own things. You do some business coaching and you help authors get their message out in the world. And I, I love this idea of, um, I've heard you talk about, uh, watching one of your videos is, you know, just, you have this message, you have this voice, you have something you want to share with the world. And then how do we get that out there? Um, how did you kind of get into this, this line of work? Like, where did it start for you when you realized, Hey, I really want to help other people do kind of what I'm doing. Um, you know, it, <laughs> I mean, of course I've kind of always been in that space in one way or another, but in 2007, my then wife and one of my younger daughters went on a mother daughter trip to go visit the filming sites for the movie Twilight, the original one. Um, and they wrote a blog about it and stuff. And they were in the process of putting together a book and they were struggling a little bit with some of the formatting and some of the other things that I knew how to do really well. So I helped them get across the finish line with that book. Um, and then with the promotion of it, you know, cause I've been a marketing company, well, really literally all my life, but officially since 1988 um, and uh, really began marketing that book. It did become a bestseller. In fact, for a while there, it was the number one movie related travel guide on Amazon mm-hmm. um, in the self-publishing category. So, or in the self of self-published books. Um, and so that's where really where I discovered just how amazingly powerful being a bestseller was. Um, and so as a marketing company, I began to realize to maximize the marketing for the clients. And at that time, they were all multi-million dollar clients, you know, multi-millionaires in their own right, in their businesses. Um, they needed that credential best-selling author to maximize their revenue and their exposure in the world. Um, and so I would literally just take signature talks that they had done and make books for them. Uh, they'd literally come to their website and be like, when did I become a published author, let alone when did I have write a bestseller? So, um, you know, and then I was encouraged to take that out wide to everybody in the world. And and uh, we've been doing that. Um, pretty much it took over everything we do in the marketing company since about 2016 now. Okay. Well, no, it's it's interesting. I've I've been uh, I talked to a lot of uh, authors and publishers and marketers and different things, and uh, one of the things that's that's fascinating uh, to me is just the power of a book. Um, and I know we live in this day where you know our books going away, and you know it's all about eBooks and all these kinds of things. But but there's something about a book that kind of brings like authority and expertise, and sometimes it's like the message in a packaged form that's really synthesized down um, uh, to, to kind of share with the world. And so I always find that that interesting as much as we talk about books going away. Um, but you know, what has been kind of the response when you talk to someone? I, I already heard you say it a little bit of like, well, I'm not a writer, I'm not an author, you know, I can't do this. Like, you know, what, what's kind of your piece in the pie to kind of help them, you know, get their words uh, into some kind of coherent fashion. Sure. Um, You know, 
very few people that I've ever met, and I've met some amazing writers, but very few people that I've met are actually really, truly their talent, their skill, their gifting is, is being a writer. But everybody uh, needs to be an author. Everybody has a message that somebody else needs. The way that you say it, the who that you are in the world is very much on purpose. And um, if you don't share who you are with the world, there's somebody that won't get that maybe even extremely simple of thing that you do so easily. It's probably the last thing you'd think about writing a book about actually. Um, But if you don't share it, they won't ever really hear it, know it or see it. I like that because you're talking about the difference between a writer and an author um, you know, writing maybe as a skill or someone that can, you know, really put words and paragraphs and things together, but the author is more about the message. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are uh, one of my oldest mentors, Dr. Donald Joy was the kind of person that would send you back an email and it would be well thought out, well composed, all the grammar, punctuation, spelling, paragraphing, everything. That was the way his brain worked. You know, you could get two, three long page response to a simple question via email and he could type as fast as he could talk. All right. And he had 40 or 50 books at least that he had published, you know, old school, traditional route, traditional publishers kind of thing. Um, Most people aren't that way. Most of us get caught in, um, is it they, they, or they? You know, mm-hmm. um, they're there or there, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, does a comma go here? Do I put the comma in a string of words before the and, or do I not need a comma if there's an and there? You know, I mean, it's just all those kind of things. And the truth of the matter is behind the curtains, if I gave you a hundred different editors, you'd get a hundred different answers as to all of those questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, most people's brains just don't work that way, but they need to share that message. Yeah. So let's go back to your daughter and your wife uh, who are, you know, trying to blog about twilight and putting this book together. Um, You you mentioned it was around 2007, uh, which was kind of early Amazon, you know, self-publishing. It's definitely a lot easier now than it was back then. Uh, Was there something at that time where you were kind of like a light bulb that went on like, wow, this is, like there's a whole new medium that's kind of opened up. I mean, what was, what was kind of your early entry into Amazon? I mean, was it hard? Was it easy to get, get the work out there? What what was kind of that, that phase of, of the Amazon world and self-publishing and things like that? That was right before create space came out. Well, I'm sorry, right. Just right after Amazon had bought create space. So they had been around for a few years, had had some impact, but not a lot. Um, Amazon bought them and then immediately all of the books that went through create spaces platform immediately were published to Amazon that made it, um, a little bit easier, but especially back then you needed to really know your stuff when it came to, uh, formatting and, uh, you know, what's the difference between a word document and a PDF and why are they different, uh, when you upload it. And, um, there were a lot of nuances, um, in even just the difference between an HTML document and a Word document um, that you really needed to understand what you were looking at back then that for the most part, it's not completely there, but for the most part, um, they've worked through those things and, and dumbed them down to the point where the software you have on your computer pretty much out of the box 
is something that you can upload for sure as an ebook and and almost always as a print book as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I remember like 2010, 2011, I think my first book was I used like smash words and um and it was just a nightmare, like taking a Word document and trying to get into like an ebook format and get it on there and was just, you almost wanted to quit and give up or hire someone to do it. Cause this was just too much of a nightmare. Uh, but it definitely has gotten way easier. I mean, with the software that's available, it's like plug and play almost. Um, yeah, which absolutely. is, you know, saves writers a lot of time and, and editors and publishers like yourself. Um, so, uh, so going back to, to that, uh, again, that story, you know, the Amazon world, the self-publishing world, um, what was kind of the impetus to say, you know, Hey, let's go the, the kind of independent publishing route versus maybe getting it pitched for traditional was there anything kind of in the waters that you thought maybe this was just a better avenue for this or was it just like oh this is kind of fun we'll see what happens or what was kind of your thinking in that so originally it was totally by accident um in fact actually the original version of that book it's called experience twilight if you want to look it up it's still technically is available on amazon i think i saw one or two of them a month even still um and, uh, you know, originally it was the literal version of self-published. Um, we had a little magazine that we put out in the air, in the community that we lived in. That was part of what our company did. Um, and so I had the printer that I was actually printing them out. And, um, and because of that trip, my wife had the contacts with vendors in those locations. And so we were selling them. We were printing them ourselves and selling them directly. Um, and then we tried out create space and, um, um, and it was very much by accident. It wasn't something we intended, uh, to do at all, but it, you know, it just really kind of took off. And then, you know, from then, from there is where I then needed to really jump in and learn what are the differences. And, and it's a huge difference now as far as, I mean, I wouldn't encourage anybody, uh, unless you're, already got a Tony Robbins following or something like that to, to not go the route of, of uh, self-publishing these days. Hmm. No, that was kind of my, my next question. I was kind of baiting you there a little bit is just, um, you know, some of the authors I, I hang around and I've talked to, you know, that spent 40 years traditional publishing. I mean, even they have shifted out and said, there's no way I'll go traditional. Cause it's, I mean, just from revenue standpoint, from access to, I mean, you name it. And it used to have the stigma, right? It had this, well, you're not a real mm -hmm. author or you're not, you know, but now you're finding, you know, self-published independent authors. They have, you know, New York editors, they have, you know, New York cover designers, they have, you know, all those resources that weren't available before, you know, um, so yeah, how, how have you kind of, um, you know, as you work with clients, you know, you're trying to get people's message out into the world. Uh, you know, what, do you have a process for kind of determining what's the best route of publishing for them? Is it, is it case by case or is it, do you have kind of a set way that you feel like this is the best way? This is kind of what we found success doing. Um, how does that look for just kind of client work? <clears throat> I always recommend self-publishing on Amazon. Uh, the number one reason for that is, you know, pre-COVID, Amazon was uh, reaching about 80% of all books that were sold around the world, um, at, you know, after and since COVID, um, you know, it's in the high 90s. You could pretty well just say Amazon sells books. You know, it's not uncommon to see somebody, you know, even sitting down in a chair and like say at Barnes and Noble reading or going through a book. Um, and then they'll take a picture of the cover, put it back on the shelf. I've even, you know, I haven't gone so far as to literally look and say, Hey, did you order that from Amazon? But, you know, you kind of see them right after they do that, 
putting something on their phone and stuff. And it's like, yeah, they just bought that from Amazon. You know, mm. they're going to have it mm-hmm. shipped back to their house. You know what I mean? And uh, the last time I told that story, actually, the lady said, yeah, I just did that the other day. <laughs> um, you know, it's just that's the way we are. Um, and so if uh, because Amazon does give a little bit better weight, they really only see technically books that are published through their system as books and everything else is another product, even when they're in the book category, that's technically how they're the technology of their system is put together. Um, it really does make a lot of sense to just go through Amazon more importantly than that though. And this is the real key. It's about ownership. The dirty secret of the publishing industry is um, a friend of mine, in fact, even refers to publishers as loan sharks, Um, whether they just put your book out for you or they give you a great big advance check, which are few and far between these days. um, They're going to own in most cases, all of your book, but you know, even if you're a big author and I'm talking like Steve Harvey kind of level, of audience, you know, they're still going to own 70 to 90% of the content of your book, which is to say, um, if you want to do anything the book with the book, you want to do public speaking, you want to make a movie out of it, uh, you want to do a coaching program, you've got to get their, their permission or their sign off. And in most cases, um, unless you can show them how it's going to be highly profitable to them, they won't say yes. You know, that's where you get an author like a Terry mm-hmm. Brooks who with as huge as Terry Brooks has been since the 1970s, there's never been a Shannara movie. You know, they had like two years of a TV series on the Shannara books. Um, But that's because the publisher blocked it. Terry wanted to do it, but um, you know, the publisher didn't sign off on the deal because it wasn't good enough for them. Hmm. No, I think that's really, really smart. Cause I, I think a lot of authors don't realize, especially if they do have a big, you know, audience is they, you know, they already have a built-in audience. You're losing out on, again, revenue control, you know, oh, mar- yeah. marketing. It's, it's really, I think it's like, I've heard like minimum seven years before you can even get your book back, those, those kinds of things. Um, and those contracts, which, you know, when you're signing the dotted line, I don't think people are always telling you like, Hey, this is, might be a bad decision. Um, right. Yeah. And I think that's, um, and I think it's exciting because I think you, you're, uh, you know, proving that there are a lot of people that have a message that are important and, and they're just trying to find ways to get it out there. And, and it isn't just one gatekeeper anymore, you know, where it's just the traditional route. Um, you know, with the internet too, it's like you you have a global audience just built in. Uh, well, let's let's talk about that a little bit. So, um, you know, daughter, wife, uh, early book, you kind of go, oh, this is interesting. Kind of shifting away from whatever else you were doing in marketing, going, this is there's something here. Um, who was kind of like your first like client where you started working with with someone to kind of get their message out, kind of you know whether they're a bestseller or not. But um, you know, what did that process look like? I mean, did you just kind of do the same thing you did with your your wife and your uh, daughter, or is it like, hey, I need to kind of create a system to kind of help help writers along uh, when they kind of came to you with client work or with book or trying to get the word out? Mm-hmm. So from 2007 till uh, 2015, when when I began to develop the program that. And honestly, most people that you know that that uh, have systems to help people write 
and make their book a bestseller are probably using my system without even knowing they did um, because I've taught it to a lot of people and shared it a lot of places. But during those years between 2007 and 2015, um, you know, I was working one at a time, you know, one author. Sometimes I only had one client for, you know, several years and uh, Major Jones, who was the number two largest seller in the MLM skinny wraps uh, back in the day, um, you know, and uh, in those cases, we just literally would take a signature talk, you know, something they would give from stage that the head that they had given from stage, a recording of that and and start from transcribing that and making the book on their behalf. Um, from there is where I developed the system. Um, and I do still strongly encourage people to use speaking to write versus uh, trying to put pen to paper or type it into a Word document is just simply have a conversation like you and I are having now mm-hmm. um, and let somebody that knows what they're doing in guiding that conversation through the elements that every book actually is broken down into four elements um, and really, truly, um, you know, walk you through that and then. And then send it off to people who can do story development and can do editing and can do the cover and, and those kind of things. And that's, that's all the kind of stuff that we put together and do for people. Well, that, you know, it's interesting too, because I think some of the, our favorite books, you know, especially nonfiction are, have that conversational kind of tone to them. You know, someone you're like, you feel like you're having a coffee with them and they're just talking to you about whatever, you know, message or help help they're trying to give you yeah. or whatever. Like we like that, right? We don't, you know, if it's too ap- academic, it you know it bores you or if it's too, too informal, you know, it might be a little, you know, like maybe they don't know what they're talking about, but um, yeah, it'd be like someone getting on a stage, just explaining who they are, what they're about, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we like that on the page. It's, it's hard to do because, uh, you know, speaking and writing are different, different muscles, but um, no, I really like that. And I, I think um there, there's also two with, I mean, that's a funny, uh, technology thing too, is like transcribing is a lot easier than it used to be as well. Like just even with software. I mean, I remember years ago trying to do, use this transcription software, um, to transcribe <laughs> some stuff and it was a nightmare. I mean, just no words were right. And you spent most of your time editing. Uh, but, um, yeah. So, um, so as your like kind of business has like evolved uh, as you've gotten different, you know, writers, uh, you know, different genres, different disciplines, all those kinds of things. Um, you know, t- tell me what you've learned, like from kind of those early days to now. I mean, how has it changed? I mean, whether that's platform or the principles you use, is that, has that changed at all? Or is it all kind of the same? I mean, how, how are things evolved kind of coming up on, you know, 2023? Are there things you've had to kind of pivot on and, and change to kind of get people's messages out there? Or is it, or is it pretty much kind of just go the same, uh, the same route? The the biggest change, and it really isn't a change, but it was a mindset for me and is it a mindset in just about everybody's opinions in books is what people really want in a book versus what we've been uh, led to believe a book should be. So way back in the 1800s, the publishers discovered that if a book was 350-ish pages, they could charge more for the book and they could make more money. The author didn't make any more money, but they could make more money. So you take a book like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, um, which isn't a book. It's actually a short story in a collection of books because it's not long enough to be its own published book. It's about 50-ish pages. Um, you know, and 
And yet you take the story, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and you think of all the different books and movies and TV series and, you know, spinoff kind of things that it's been used for across the 150 or almost 200 years now since it was written. Um, you know, those are the kind of stories that we've always really liked. But we got led to believe if your book isn't a huge tome that, you know, you can uses a paperweight besides that, that it's just not a real book. You know, you look at this virtual background behind me and you see all the thick spines and stuff like that. Whereas if you look at a book like my latest book, you know, the spine is very thin. It's not even going to have writing on the spine because it's too thin. Um, What Amazon has found is, um, and especially when you start talking Twitter world, people having conversations in 140 characters, if your book is a hundred pages or less, more than 60% of the people that get book get the book will finish it. If it goes to 101 to 200 pages, that drops to around 20% of the people that actually finish the book. And if your book goes over 201 pages, it's actually less than 3% of the people that ever finish the book. Hmm. Um, and a lot of us can think of books that we have on our shelf that are great books, but we just never finished them because, hmm. you know, kids get sick, life happens, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the same thing. So it's really the most important thing is to take a point, make it really clear, give them a clear step from that point. And then if there's a second point, that's book two in your series. Hmm. I think this is really good for people to hear because I I think there is this debate going on. It's been going on for years. I'm trying to think back, uh, you know, when I one of my first books was really short and I I thought, man, it's just way too short. Uh, and then I did an audiobook and it was audiobooks on like an hour and it it gets gobbled up all the time. And I think it's just that if it goes too long, you know, like you said, it's, it just requires a bigger commitment, but you know, if you listen to it in the car for a couple sessions or you're, you know, jogging on the treadmill or taking the dog for a walk, you know, after three sessions of that, you're done, you know, and you kind of got what you needed and especially in nonfiction space, but I even seeing, you know, shorter novels, uh, short stories becoming more popular, just being even intentionally like James Patterson's writing these, you know, book shots, which are, you know, hundred pages or less, uh, to get, you know, fiction out there. And they're really great reads. Um, and, you know, I think that, that is a, a, I think an important thing for people to think like, it's not just, you know, say what I need to say, but also like, maybe there's some intentional planning for a shorter uh, book. Now, um, on that score, like, do you, uh, when you're putting like talks together for other people or their book or whatever, um, are you, are you thinking about that? Are you encouraging them to go shorter or is it just kind of what they think that the book needs to be? Do you have any, um, kind of thought process through that? Well, number one, content is always king. Um, it needs to be as long as it needs to be so that it is, um, uh, you know, it's clear. But the other word that we typically don't put with clear that needs to be in there is concise. Uh, more is not more. It's just more, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, yes, absolutely. I'm helping them always think about. Um, and really, it's more human psychology. I'll give you a perfect book, a book I absolutely love. If you've ever read the book, uh, Mike McCollowitz's uh, Profit First book, it's, uh, you know, your standard 350 page book. Mike actually has several places in the audio version, which is how I read it, where he says, before you go on, do this thing. You're not going to be able to have success in the next section until you've done this. Really, what Mike should have done is had that next thing be a next book. 
then you're forced to stop and take action. Because what most people do, what I even did, I'll admit it, is we're like, yeah, absolutely. And we start working on that, but we also continue reading the book. You know, I was in a particular group and we were having weekly updates on where we were in the book. So I couldn't just stop and take 30 days worth of action like he had suggested in the book. And that, and that's very true with other people too, is we need to stop, let people take one step and then give them the next step rather than telling them 20 steps and then saying, okay, now go back and do number one. And people are like, I forgot what number one was. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's funny because the, I mean, I imagine people come to you, clients come to you and it's actually what they have is not one book, but it's two or three books, uh, you know, that needs to be trimmed, right? It's, it's three different messages in one, oh, yeah. you know, outline almost everybody one. that I work with has already written a book series. Right. But, you know, if they've done any writing, they've already written a whole yeah. series, actually. Yeah. No, I like that because I think it's also the conversation of like, do I want to go deep on one big idea or do I want to go, you know, surfacey on, you know, 20 different ideas? Um, and I think for, you know, especially books that, like you said, that are maybe ask, calling for action or change or something, you know, you want it to be concise. You want it to be focused so you can actually kind of get in there and then do it right. Rather than like you said, just keep reading, you know, for another 200 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is really good. Um, and I think there's, um, uh, just again, as people are thinking about maybe the fear of writing or publishing or, uh, is when you say, Hey, you know, a 50 page book can be a powerful, you know, piece of literature, a hundred page. It doesn't have to be this big thing. Cause I, or it doesn't have to take you the rest of your you know life to, mm-hmm. um, some of the authors I, I work with and friends that come to me, it's like, you know, they've been poking at this thing for 10 years and just haven't, you know, completed it because they think they have this thing in their mind. This is what it looks like. This is how long it needs to be this, you know, rather than actually getting it out there. Um, Let me give you two great examples, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, everybody's heard of who moved my cheese. Mm-hmm. It sold 44 million copies or something like that. It's in 50 different languages around the curve. It's 99 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's large print edition. It has very wide margins, large, you know, I mean, it, it's in reality, it's probably 10 or 15 pages in a word document. You know, I mean, if you were just reading it, single spaced word, it's not a long book. And also there's another book that's a real phenom book. It's actually called marketing in a thousand words or less. It's literally 999 words, six pages, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it, though it's really actually probably even as a marketing professional, one of the best marketing books that I've ever read. And it's sold, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of copies of it already. Um, and it's just six pages, just gives you a little bit um, and moves you down the road. Hmm. I like that. So what, so let's talk about just kind of in a general sense. So uh, talk about your process. So if somebody comes to you, like kind of what's like beginning, to, to the end. Like, so you have someone's interested in your services. They're like, yeah, I got this message. I want to get out in the world. Um, you know, what does it, what does it look like kind of in taking a client and then kind of taking them to the very end and getting that bestseller out in the world? Right. Well, you know, I mean, always we're going to talk first and, um, and just have a conversation about who they are, what they're doing. Um, how can I help that kind of thing? And then when they become a client with me, the first thing we're going to do is a strategy session. Um, and in that strategy session, the number one piece of what we want to talk about is who are we writing to and what do they need? You know, what of what you do in this world will help that person. Um, and then we really kind of want to write the book as though we were talking to a person. You and I are having a conversation right now. We can have a back and forth um, versus if you were just 
if you had just made a list of questions that are generic, you ask everybody exactly the same questions. And no matter what I say, you're just going to ask me the next question. You know, the next question may not have anything to do with what I said, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the same with conversational style. So mm-hmm. I really help them do that. That's where we start. Um, and then I do have some worksheets that they can go through. Um, uh, but then we, the most important part of it is we get on Zoom um, and I just get them talking. Um, we're going to go about an hour to an hour and a half. Often in an hour to an hour and a half, we can get all of the core content for your book then. Um, you know, if we need another interview, we absolutely can. But, you know, that's where we start. Uh, after about an hour and a half, if we start really reaching that burnout level for the person talking, um, you know, and if we have more we need to get through, it's better to do that in a second session. But we do that. Then it goes to a story development editor who identifies do we have a story from beginning to end? Where are the holes? Uh, when were you telling us about Aunt Jan? And then you never finish the story about Aunt Jan. What happened to Aunt Jan? You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, after we have our content, you know, down from A to Z, then it's going to go to a grammar person who will check spelling, punctuation, those kind of things, um, and format it in print form. Um, and of course, then I have folks that'll do the cover for you, um, so that you're then all ready to be able to launch your book in both ebook and print form. Um, and, uh, and then of course, absolutely. I do have a formula and a format for launching your book that will make it a bestseller. I guarantee it. I have a literally hundred percent success rate across thousands upon thousands of people. Um, and, uh, and as my book says, bestseller is only the beginning. That's where you're going to start with your book um, to build everything else that you do with your book and everything else you do in, in your life and your business on. So tell me what, what's like the biggest challenge that you face when you're working with clients? Like it could be anything. I mean, from the writing to the outlining to the, it's too long, it's too short. It doesn't make sense. Like what, what are some common kind of missteps when people come to you um, to be mindset, whatever. So it starts, of course, always, always starts in mindset with all of us, you know, and it's that question of what do I have to say that could in any way add to, you know, be anything more than just more noise in the world. Um, And so we have to get past that. That's first. Um, And then second to that would be, uh, you know, wanting to speak to everybody. Almost always when we have, especially a new idea, um, although I've seen people carry it through into their business for a long, long time, is the, but this product is for everybody. You know, I mean, you take something like, oh, I don't know, a kitchen sponge, you know, just about everybody has a kitchen and, uh, you know, does dishes one way or another. And they probably do have some kind of cloth or towel or something that they wipe stuff off with. Even in that case. Um, you know, you really can't do your marketing to everybody. When you try to talk to everybody, you speak to nobody. Um, and so it's helping them narrow that down. And that can be a really difficult process for people because they don't want to give up. You know, they want their book to speak to everybody from the age of 12 to the age of 92. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, the things that were important to me when I was 12 are not important to me now at 55. And and I'm sure the things that are important to me now won't be important to me at 92, you know, um, that's the, you know, that's the first two. And then the third one really does go back to what we were saying before. And that's um, wanting to give 
people everything. You know, one person, there's an old story about the, uh, about the farmer who said to the pastor, you know, if, uh, if I'm ready, if I'm coming out to the barn to feed the cows and only one cow of all of them is in the barn, I don't give that cow all of the feed, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and that's the same thing is we, we want to give people what they need now and not just everything that we've got. So they're overwhelmed and don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Cause I, I think uh, if you're just writing your first book, that's the big, probably one of the biggest temptations is like, I have so much to say. I want to say it all. And usually your mm-hmm. first book has way too much of you and everything in it, you know, uh, but you know, that's the, that's a good thing. I mean, when you think of, of marketing and, you know, who's it for, uh, what problem does it solve? Kind of when you're talking earlier about having an initial conversation, I mean, that's probably a, a enlightening conversation. Can they actually articulate what it is, you know, and who's it for, or is it just, well, of course it's for everybody, you know, who doesn't need this, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, but I think that, that people forget that actually helps you as a writer. It helps you actually focus your time. And if you're putting words on the page or transcribing, cause you're not trying to like say everything to everyone. You're actually, like you said earlier, I'm talking to imagine talking to one person, you know, imagine having a conversation. How would I talk to that person? Um, mm-hmm. Not every person, <laughs> you know, uh, which I think is really good. That's really, really helpful. Um, so get, give us like a couple like success stories, like people you've worked with in the last, you know, 10 years, uh, other than, other than the ones you, you've mentioned, um, kind of where they went or who they are and how things went. So January 1st of 2016, way early on, right after we had done our beta tests in 2015, one of the very first authors that I brought out, his name is Carl Michelle. Um, Carl's book is called 365 hip hop. Um, it is a daily motivational quote and it's designed for high school age kids. Um, it came out, we made it a bestseller. Carl previous to the promotion we did with him was going to schools and offering to do speeches, you know, to talk to the kids for free, wasn't charging for that. Um, and he couldn't even get people to return his calls. He couldn't get beyond secretaries. After he became a best-selling author, um, I saw him about, I don't know, three or four months afterwards. Um, he was booked out six months in advance at $2,000 per month. Um, since then, he's been on MTV two or three times. He was at Jada Kiss's birthday. He's got pictures of him with Common. And, uh, you know, I mean, the list just goes on of people. Um, and some of that is because he's had the boldness to be able to go up to those people and, you know, get their picture with him and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so I don't want to in any way diminish uh, how, how much he's done, but it also comes from the mindset of, and he said this to me, he said, I'm no longer Carl Michelle. I'm the number one international bestselling author, Carl Michelle. Um, and so that made a huge, huge difference for him. Um, you know, there are just so many, uh, just kind of going through in my mind, um, Dr. David, uh, Dr. David, uh, Wilcox has a book that is, um, it's designed to help people understand the medical industry. He's a, he's a nurse, but he actually has a doctorate. So he's Dr. David, but he's a nurse. It's a little hard to figure, <laughs> you know, but, um, and his book really helps people navigate the health system. Um, and uh, now he's gone from, you know, this book that he just kind of wrote to try to help people out to, he's a very highly in demand author, um, you know, to talk to his book on 
TV, radio, all kinds of things. Um, and especially since the, uh, the latest thing that the Congress passed with that, you know, a lot of people want to ask him, what does that mean to me kind of stuff? And so, you know, that was a, was a very huge success. Uh, Dr. Alicia Griffith went with her book from, uh, you know, she was on Good Morning America and, uh, you know, has just done, she, in fact, being a doctor in the field that she wrote about, she would say, you know, I've gotten more out of being the author of this book, more notoriety, more success, more uh, opportunity than I have been being a doctor in this same field for 20 years. Um, you know, so that's just uh tip of the iceberg, but that's just a few examples mm-hmm. of some things that people have done with their book. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're doing, doing great work. And uh yeah, obviously books have some just magical authority and it's a great business card. I think it, it was interesting just hearing you, you describe the first man about, you know, wasn't really booking anything until he actually had a book. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, he's legitimate. You know, it's, it's interesting because, mm-hmm. you know, any people can also like research you and find out who you really are just by reading, you know, let me read their book or let me skim through it or, you know, whatever, what's their message. Uh, no, I, I, I imagine that's very satisfying the work you get to do uh, to help these folks yes. get their message in the world. Uh, well, see, this has been great. And before we go, I do want to, um, it's, it's a question I don't ask every guest, but I do ask some, some of our guests. Um, and, uh, it's called three truths and it's just really an opportunity to, to kind of say, you know, if there's three things you would want to tell an aspiring author, uh, a writer, uh, someone with a message, but they're maybe hesitant, you know, to get it out there. What would you, what would you tell them? How would you encourage them? Three truths and a lie. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so the number one most important piece of it is somebody's waiting on you. Um, you know, somebody is going to continue to make the wrong choice because they just don't know any better. Um, and so it's not about you. This might even, you know, curtail into number two is your message was never for you. Your message is only the, the you that you are, whatever that is, you know, maybe it's being a great mom. I mean, we don't have to talk about necessarily it being the cure for cancer. It can be whoever you are, what you're good at in the world. It's only as good as what you use it. You know, if you're an incredible mom, let's use that as a perfect example. You know, that only works if you have kids that you're being a good mom too, you know? <laughs> um, so that, you know, I mean, you, somebody's waiting on you, um, you know, the whole concept of you have to share it with the world. Um, And then thirdly is you just can't wait. You will be somebody different next week, next month, next year, just like you were last year. Um, But the things that you have now are the things you need to share now because somebody is on that ledge, if you will, behind you, wishing that there was a a bridge across it and they don't know how to cross it unless you show them. If you just go a couple steps over that way, there is a bridge. I know you can't see it from where you are, but it is actually there. I can tell you that because I'm on this other side now. Not my life isn't perfect, but I made that one step and let me help you out with that. So, I mean, I think all three of those come together to really be the same thing. And that's Um, You know, you've got to share that message that is yours meant to give, because without it, um, you know, somebody's going to keep having the struggles that they've had. I love it. Sounds great. 
Well, uh, Steve, before we go, tell me what you're working on, what you're excited about, and then where can people find you? So, um, you know, of course, I'm always working with authors and I'm always looking for more authors that I can help share with the world. In order to do that, I've put together a special free gift for your people. Um, If you go to ongoingwealthguide.com, that's ongoingwealthguide.com. Um, that's a free gift. It's my uh, five things that you can do to create true ongoing wealth in your life. Um, I, w- I kind of wish I would have renamed it ongoing abundance just because um, I don't talk so much about money as I do the real kind of wealth that, you know, if you, for example, put a down payment on a house and that money went out of your bank account, you're no longer you know, whereas you felt really rich when you saw that money in your account and now it's not there. Now you're poor. You can still be just as abundant and blessed, even when the bank account doesn't say that that's the kind of wealth I'm talking about. So ongoingwealthguide.com. Um, in that guide, I do, um, also give people the link to my signature, write your bestseller in one hour workshop. Um, I even give you the offer to be able to get my book bestseller is only the beginning. Uh, that's my 20th international bestseller. You can upgrade that free gift to pay 99 cents and get the ebook version of my book. Um, and then just lastly, because I love giving to people, uh, whether you get the free book or you decide, or whether you get the free offer or you decide to upgrade to the book on the thank you page, I've put a link there for you to be able to schedule 15 free minutes to talk to me about anything in the realm of your marketing or your book or anything I can do to help you out. Well, great, Steve. That's uh, very generous of you. And we really appreciate it. Well, Steve, this has been uh, fantastic. Uh, I love talking to people like you who obviously enjoy their work, but also are helping people do great things in the world, sharing their message in the world and, uh, and all the best to you, brother. Thanks, Ryan. Well, there you have it, my friends, Steve Kidd. Go look up Steve. If you have the desire, the interest, get your work out into the world. He will be a great mentor a great coach to help you do that appreciate steve and his work uh and i and i think that's a little bit of what i talked about at the top of the show of just paying attention paying attention to what is in you paying attention to what needs to get out into the world what needs to be said whether that's poetry whether that's writing a book whether that's helping business owners whether that's paying attention to your kids or your partner or your soul uh all those things they all work together amazing how often we try to separate all these things our lives and our art and our creativity and and yet they can't be separated they all work together and they're all speaking together in different ways Uh, so thank you steve for coming on the show thank you for uh just being able to uh share in what he's doing what and and i look forward to many more episodes and, and and uh interviews coming down the pipe and as i mentioned uh we will be moving over to substack so ryanjpelton.substack.com all this will be in the show notes look forward to the art of paying attention because our attention is everything and what we pay attention to is who we become and so it matters what we pay attention to so i'm I'm excited to sharing uh, what i'm paying attention to what others are paying attention to and interacting with that together uh, so that we can all make better art and also we can all make better art with our lives and uh, so go check out the Substack. stack uh, go subscribe uh, the podcast will be over there soon where you can get all the, the goodness 
and my writing and, and other stuff. And I look forward to building and forming this com- new community, or maybe it's an old community that just has a new emphasis. I'm not sure. Uh, but that's the fun. That's the adventure to see where it all takes us. And so I want to hold all of that loosely. So thanks for stopping in, stopping by. And hey, before I go, go make some great art with your life. I'll talk to you really well soon.